Chapter 1. What Becomes of the Brokenhearted Five years, my friend, Amy whispered as she laid the pink camellias, honey's favorite, on her grave. How have I made it this long without you? She dropped to her knees and settled in with her gardening gloves and tools to clean the gravestone. The cemetery maintained the sites, but it made her feel closer to Honey to spend a little time doing something tangible for her. Plus, it gave Amy a chance to talk. She glanced around to make sure no one else was in the cemetery with her. No need to have the whole town know this is where she had her best conversations. Davidson was a suburb just north of Dallas, but it felt like a small town in the best and worst ways Amy had long believed. Despite the area's growth, it had remained a bit hidden, tucked between some of the more prestigious suburbs. Generations of families remained there, and children often returned after college to raise their own families on the streets where they grew up. Amy and Honey had been fourth-generation Texans, both born, raised, and married in Davidson. Amy had always expected they would die there, too. She just hadn't thought it would be quite so soon. It's exactly where I want our girls to grow up, Honey had told her. Our girls, was what she'd always said. Once Amy and Ford realized they weren't going to have children of their own, they became a second set of parents to Honey and Charlie's daughters. The girls were two years apart. Emily had just started at Baylor, and Beth was planning to go, both following in their parents' footsteps, when Honey got sick. After graduation, they both relocated to Austin, which Amy found slightly sacrilegious. The girls are fine, she said. It's still weird to me that they're in Austin. She chuckled at herself, thinking of the state capitals keep Austin weird motto. They're so smart, just like you. Emily's doing great in med school. She's thinking about applying for a pediatric residency program. You'd love it. And Beth is starting this fall at Texas Law, though why she didn't go on to school at Baylor is still beyond me. Let it go, Amy. She could hear Ford's deep voice in her head. It's what he always said when she got on this kind of tangent. It's just that Amy felt she knew what would be best for everyone if they would only listen. Emily Ruth is still with Sam, of course. I expect him to propose any time now, and you know there are a million boys after Beth, but she doesn't give any of them a second look. That was just like you, too. Until Charlie, of course. She trailed off. Charlie. She looked around again and sat back to rest for a minute in the cool grass. I'd like to tell you he's fine, too. I really would. She looked up at the wide blue Texas sky just a few clouds above her. Two redbirds were singing as they chased each other from tree to tree. It had been a chilly spring, but it was starting to warm up as they got closer to summer. It was almost 80 degrees that afternoon, but a lingering breeze caught her from behind. She hugged her knees and frowned. I'm doing what I can to be there for the girls. They miss you, of course, but they're young, you know, getting on with life, doing what they need to do. I think they'll come home someday, but honey, it feels like part of Charlie just went with you. A light went out of him when you went, and you know he was always the one that could light up the room. If she tended to be a bit too intense, and Ford often on the serious side, Charlie was the one who kept everyone laughing. He lightened the mood of any situation, and Honey's genuine sweetness was a perfect compliment. It was easy to see their affection for each other and their deep love for their girls, and everyone felt happier just being around the couple. Ford makes sure he gets out. They go for breakfast every week, golf every other Saturday as usual. But you know how men are. It's not like they're talking about their feelings while they're shooting 18 holes. She chuckled sadly and rolled her eyes. We check in on him if he's not there on Sundays, and we make sure he's with us for holidays and football games. I've tried to keep him busy at church, but he just seems lost. And 
I don't know what else to do for him. She swept the crumbles of dirt off the gravestone and arranged the camellias on top. Can I tell you this? Ford thinks he needs someone to date, but he won't even consider it. Shuts him down every time he brings it up, and I guess if I'm being honest, so do I. It just doesn't seem right him being with anybody but you. It was always the four of us, you know, right from the start. She thought back to how she'd met Ford during their first year at Baylor. The only college boy at church in a pinstripe suit and bow tie, she remembered, smiling, and a full foot taller than she was, but she found herself rather liking that. They'd paired up almost immediately, her fiery personality challenging and intriguing him. At least that's what she told herself. But she told him right away he had to find someone for her best friend because she wasn't about to leave Honey in the dorm alone on a Saturday night. The next weekend, he knocked on the door to pick up Amy and brought his fraternity brother Charlie along to take Honey out. It seemed like everything had fallen into place after that. Until Honey got sick, Amy thought, shaking her head for the millionth time at how unfair it all seemed. She straightened the camellias once more, gathered her gardening tools, and patted her light brown hair into place. There, you're all fixed up for this year. I miss you, Honey, so much, but... I'll keep taking care of them, just like I promised. Amy left the cemetery and five minutes later pulled her Baylor green Mercedes into the Davidson Community Church parking lot. She'd left a couple of things in the classroom on Sunday morning and wanted to swing by before heading home. Groups of children were arriving for kids' choir practice, so she parked toward the back of the lot, partly to protect her car. Ford had ordered it custom-painted for her for their 25th anniversary, and she didn't want as much as a smudge on it. As she walked in, she waved at the kids and chatted with the parents, many of whom she'd known since they were babies themselves. Amy had done almost everything at the church, from playing the organ to keeping the nursery to even preaching one unusual Sunday when more than half of the congregation and staff had the flu. She'd been a member of the church for her entire life, and there weren't many people here she didn't know and love. She paused for a moment and thought how beautiful the cross on top of the church looked with the afternoon sun shining over it. I must have seen that a hundred times, she thought, and I never get tired of it. The church itself had just celebrated its hundredth year. It had been in Davidson almost as long as the city had existed. The campus had spread out as it had grown, adding a children's building and recreation center over the years. The main building was nondescript, red brick, generic tan carpet, but they'd replaced the pews with stadium seating and made a few other improvements during a renovation after a tornado had damaged it a few years before. It sat right off the exit of the interstate leading south into Dallas, so there was always a low hum of traffic echoing through the parking lot. Amy thought it almost sounded like music, though, a prelude ushering people into the church. She looked around again with a familiar fondness and headed into the building, then made her way to the room where she and Ford had taught the newlywed class for the last 20 years. The couple spent two years with them before heading on their way to other groups. The Wilson's marriage wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good in Amy's opinion. After his years in the courtroom and her career directing marketing for a local university, they were engaging teachers, too. And they wanted to pass along everything they'd learned to help other couples through that transition time of early marriage. She grabbed her canvas bag, notepad, and the sign-up sheet for the upcoming dessert party, then straightened some of the chairs, prepping the room for the next Sunday. She looked around, giving the room a last once-over and closed the door behind her. As she came back into the main entryway, she noticed a young woman and little boy looking a bit lost. 
Kids' choir had started several minutes earlier, and a variety of enthusiastic, albeit off-key, songs rang out from multiple directions. Hi, she said cheerfully. Can I help you find anything? The woman smiled, clearly relieved. It's our first night of kids' choir, she said, and we're running late. She pulled her long brown corkscrew curls into a messy topknot. Story of my life, she laughed. Do you have any idea where we need to be? Of course, Amy replied. You go right up these stairs, then down the hall on your left, she grinned. Just follow the, um, joyful noise. She looked at the freckle-faced boy with curls matching his mom's. It's so much fun, she said directly to him, smiling. He ducked behind his mom, but grinned back. There'll be somebody there to get you checked in, she said. Thank you so much. I'm Carol Allen, by the way, and this is Cal. Nice to meet you. I'm Amy Wilson. If you've got a few minutes for coffee while they're singing, I'd love to chat. The cafe's just in the next building over, and I'm heading that way anyway. That actually sounds wonderful, Carol replied. See you in a few minutes, and thanks again. She and Cal took off up the stairs as Amy walked to the church cafe. She perched at one of the high-top tables with her usual black coffee, sent forward a quick text, and waved at Carol when she came in. Just a small coffee, please, Amy heard her tell the member of the youth group staffing the cafe. Need room for cream? Nope, Carol said as she took the cup, then joined Amy at the table. Looks like we have something in common, Amy said. Black coffee at five in the afternoon? Not something many people are brave enough to handle. Oh, it's probably a terrible habit, but I drink it around the clock, Carol replied, wrapping her hands around the warm cup. I actually think it's a fine habit, Amy said as she took a sip of her own and smiled. How old's your little boy? He's five, turning six this summer. He'll be starting kindergarten in the fall, but we just moved here a few weeks ago, so I wanted to go ahead and get involved in church, let him make some friends, and kind of get used to things before he dives into school. Five? He's in Charlie's class then, so he's in great hands. She smiled at Carol. Charlie's my husband's best friend, and his wife was our children's pastor for years. Oh, that's good to hear. Cal was feeling a little shy tonight, but he's usually a super friendly kid. It's just all a big change for him. Where are you from? Alabama, Birmingham specifically. How'd you get lucky enough to move to Texas? Carol laughed. I took a job doing graphic design and some marketing for the university here. They mostly let me work from home, so that's helpful with Cal. I've been freelancing for the last few years, but this was a good opportunity in a lot of ways. It was, it was time for a change for us. She took another sip of coffee. Well, goodness, sounds like we have something else in common, Amy said. My background's in marketing, too, and I work for ages at the university. I left a few years ago to focus on things at home, mainly on keeping Ford in line. That's my husband. Her phone buzzed as if on cue, and she glanced at it. Oh, that's him now. He's been out of town. He'll be back tonight, which means I'll be able to sleep again without waking up at every single sound, she chuckled. They continued talking for the next hour. Amy shared a few tips about the university and gave Carol the names of some connections she still had there, and she filled her in on the kids' programs and women's Bible studies at church. Amy was friendly with just about everyone who walked into the church, but she sensed something special about Carol. An open, trusting manner, Amy thought, but it also made her seem a little vulnerable. She needs a mentor, Amy decided, feeling a surge of protectiveness. Carol Allen, I'm awfully glad we met tonight, she said. I tell you what, if I'm not being too forward, let's plan on a weekly coffee. Same time, same place next week? I would love that, Carol said. It's really nice to connect with someone. You know, I've spent my whole life in Birmingham, and it's just so strange to be completely uprooted. Amy smiled at her. Well, let's see if we can help you put some roots down here. <laughs>